0: Don't
1: go chase waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. I know that you're going to have it your way or nothing at all. L.A. age jabber You know what? <laughs> I think if Jeff would have heard that song... <laughs> The events that transpired in L.A. AIDS Jabber would have been completely different if only it was two years later and TLC had spread some wisdom across the world regarding
0: AIDS. He would have been uplifted.
1: He would have been uplifted and he would have known, you know what? I can make it.
0: It's all going to be okay.
1: I mean, not, not that that song is at all about that. That song is literally about people... Dying from AIDS, I mean, like, <laughs> which is the same thing this movie is about as well, uh, is is about.
0: Is it though? It's, well, it's
1: about the fear of having AIDS. It's about the complete lack of education and understanding and sympathy that people had towards AIDS at this time.
0: <laughs> Let's just put it out there: this film, the title of this film, even its original title, pure shock value. That was it. Uh, because when you get into watching this film, you are watching something completely different than what the advertising, the title has you expecting. I think we put that out there right, right away. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and we are going to discuss it. But, but this is our patron pick for February because... Hey, it's it's Valentine's month. People fuck probably without condoms. You might get AIDS. So there you go. Perfect perfect fit. Oh um, my god. But, but you know guys, if you have not seen this movie and I guarantee you most of you have not seen this movie, it, it is something of an anomaly that just kind of <laughs> popped up out of nowhere, even though it was made back in '94. I have, have you ever heard of this movie before?
1: Troy, I have no idea where the fuck this thing came from, but there is this weird fascination spreading across the land the land of homosexual horror movie fans which is not i mean it's it's a significant enough group of people who are interested in this title but not enough for it to i really think like have much of a lasting impact i sure don't hope this becomes
0: like like
1: a movie that gets busted out regularly at parties people are sitting down watching la aids jabber but you know right now there's this weird fascination It it completely exists based off the title and the title alone
0: be- that not what well, the title and the cover art
1: the cover art because you go into this thinking okay i am going to be shocked and offended on a level like on a scale of i don't know like what is a movie that just what am i thinking like what's a movie that just left me like oh my god like this is shocking you know like um i don't know megan is missing Megan is fucking missing. I would go even further. I would go like um, a Serbian film. Like, you know, I was expecting something. I was expecting just horribly offensive gay jokes atop, like all
0: these things. So was I. I was, you know, you know me, Roger. You know me. We have personal conversations. I am not easily offended at all. You know that. I don't. I have a very dark sense of humor. I don't get offended at hardly at anything. I'm one of those people that is constantly looking to be offended. However, when I saw this title and I saw the cover art, which if you look at the cover art, it's a very like... Uh, horrifying picture of this like grotesque looking angry man holding a bloody syringe as he looks over unsuspecting LA. It's almost like the kind of like the Jason Takes Manhattan poster of Jason holding the knife looking over Manhattan. It's very ominous. And then the title, the fucking title, LA AIDS Jabber. I mean, come on. I was expecting something to be like, I was expecting to be totally offended. I was expecting it to be very homophobic. What is very interesting, Roger. Is that the, there is not one fucking gay person in this entire film, which I thought, considering the topic, was a very bold choice. Very bold choice.
1: And, you know, very like, I mean, in lots of ways, it's kind of satisfying as a gay man that I can watch this and be like, oh, God, like, at least there's not some crazy stereotypes being smeared all, all across the screen about gay men stabbing people with AIDS blood. Thank God it's not that because I was under the impression this man was going to be gay. I thought for sure there is no way in hell we're going into a movie called LA fucking AIDS Jabber and we're not getting a gay man with syringes stabbing people. So the fact they didn't do that's kind of refreshing. I mean like I mentioned this in the last episode. I'm just going to put it out there now and it's not going to be like it's not going to be like something I'm going to keep bringing up. (laughs) through this conversation but i have to get it out there i am a gay man living with hiv and i what better film for me to talk about guys like let's be real like i've got to be open about this because it's definitely it's gonna hook some people in and make them want to listen to it but i wish i could be like more more offended like i really wanted to walk out of this like there <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
0: I I thought we were going to have this, like this angry conversation where we're like this homophobic piece of trash. There is literally nothing to be offended about in this film. To be honest with you, I, the AIDS jabbing part of this film is probably the least prominent aspect of the entire thing. This becomes a, a police procedural. This becomes a, a whole, there's a whole segment about a police officer trying to get the other police officers to beat up his husband's ex wife. It's, fucking ridiculous and i i just don't i've not watched anything like this ever and i like i said folks with the title and and the 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 box art you're going to go into this expecting something and you're going to get the the 180 degree complete opposite 360 complete opposite of what you're expecting this film The title alone was done for shock value, and that is it. And the original title, let's put that out there, the original title was just Jabber. It was not L.A. AIDS Jabber. That came about with the re-release that apparently just happened. They just got a hold of this film and reissued it and are giving it a Blu-ray release and put that gnarly cover on it. Uh, to, to, and all of a sudden the film is getting attention like you're seeing it popped up on the internet in like gay horror groups and whatnot. so I was really curious to check it out and boy 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 where do we start first of all if you haven't seen it guys it's on Tubi and it looks, it looks like it like, well, <laughs> it's gonna, I, I was curious to it's... see like I, I'm not spending money for it but I'm really curious to see what the blu-ray would look like if it would be any improvement
1: listen this thing literally i mean it absolutely was shot on a vhs camera there's no denying it It, because it literally looks like the quality of the home videos that we all own the children of the 80s those baby videos we have that's what it looks like
0: which is surprising because it was late enough in the 90s that they had a little bit better technology i don't know if it was done on purpose to maybe give it a, a grungy feel but it doesn't succeed at all with this particular film because the the acting and everything and the set design is, is just so amateurish that it just ends up really looking like, um, and I hate to say this, but it really, this film comes off as like a high school film project. Oh,
1: it literally looks like this was some like young college student who got some people together, people who I think didn't know what they were getting into. I genuinely do think that one of the actors in this film who mysteriously disappears, as you will come to find out, with little to no explanation and is then replaced. Um, I think he probably quit because I think he didn't want to be associated with the project anymore. That's my assumption. I have not found facts on this yet. I will be sleuthing the internet. I will get a better answer on that as soon as it's made available. Um, but like, imagine being like literally anybody involved with this movie cast or crew today in 2023 realizing it's like resurfacing (laughs) like it's like there's this unexpected resurgence of la age ever the, the people involved are probably like oh fuck like this thing that i made back in 1994 or whatever whatever we filmed this nonsense beyond it being just a very ugly and simplistic looking film the the biggest offense to me is honestly just like, the lack of, I feel, understanding or sensitivity there is towards the virus itself. Like, it is clear this is coming about at a time where there is little understanding of what's going on. um, And the stigma that exists around it is what they are capitalizing on. um, Because there is, like, one blurb towards the end of the movie where they're, like, trying to play it off with a sympathetic angle. And it sounds like they literally, like, watched, like, one of those, like, school specials on, like, stds that you're forced to watch as a child like they just sat down and they took the dialogue from that and they gave they give it to a character to recite in a car and like that is the that is the only moment where you are feeling some sympathy towards both the focal character of jeff and just people with aids in general (laughs) like there is no sympathy towards these people Uh,
0: i don't but you know what we're going to get to that particular scene but i just want to say it i know exactly what you're talking about but in that instance i don't even feel sympathy at that moment because the character that is d- delivering that speech is doing it for a very selfish reason right she takes out her her um recorder and she wants to get her an exclusive scoop t- on his story that's the only reason she's doing it she doesn't give a fuck but we're we're gonna get there let's let's start guys so if you haven't seen la age jabber stop watch on tubi it's about an hour and 18 minutes long good luck though, Fuck this film. good goes. luck yeah <laughs> But I mean, I think we should get right into it. Right away from the opening credits, I was confused. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, what? Okay, so it's a movie called L.A. AIDS Jabber, and the opening credits are like neon, purple, and it's almost like, okay, I just want It's after school special. It's very after school special. The music, very synthy that does not really fit the the topic at hand. It's just very like poppy, almost upbeat. And I'm thinking, what, what? And then just the horrible fonts and everything. And then you know what you're in for right away because this film has no concept of sound design or or sound editing because there's like literally a hard sound cut between the opening credits ending and then the film starting. And you get this, (laughs) this couple, I guess. What are these two? Who is this broad? Who is this broad?
1: (laughs) The one of them is Jason Magic. Uh, that is his name, apparently. That's a poor name if ever I heard it before. It's the first name that comes up in the credits. He is playing the character of Jeff, the age gym. <laughs> and, and you gotta see from these credits right off the bat. These are probably like one of the more exciting things you see in the movie. And it's literally white font on a black, like a blackish blue background. Like it literally is void of any suspense or fear or tension. You're not going to feel anything watching this movie. It's just simple. And you really see that right away during this initial scene between the character of Jeff and random woman whom is his friend whom i don't believe we ever get her name nor is she properly credited on imdb uh can't really act her way out of a paper bag but at at least she's concerned enough that i feel like i deserve to know more about who this character
0: is she is horrible this girl one of the worst actresses i've ever seen in a film and she
1: no my god her voice she has this oh, voice it's a certain it's a certain pitch
0: the whole where, time
1: everything that she says <laughs> is the same exact pitch the entire time like she's like a harpy but she cares about him so like i don't dislike the the, the purpose of the character i wish there was somebody who cared about jeff well she's like Why didn't you call me
0: last week? I asked you a question. Why didn't you call me last week? And then, uh, okay, so he, Jeff is our main character, okay? So he's like trying to talk to her. All of a sudden, he's like grabbing his neck like he's having a heart attack. And he's like, Uh!" oh, oh. Is that what happens if you have? Let me tell you,
1: (laughs) I I got it. Not to the extent of being full blown AIDS, but I got it. And I'll tell you, like, there's certain things that happen. There's certain things that. You know, your body starts to experience as it starts to kick in. You don't go from zero to 60. Like, you know, you start getting sick. I don't know, having lesions, weird things like that. This guy, apparently AIDS, is extremely sharp pains in the gut. And that's it. Like, that's AIDS. And I mean, like, yes, I'm sure you would experience that. I'm sure you'd experience a lot of things. But a lot of the things I would really expect to see with what is being declared to be full-blown AIDS, like, I'm not getting any of it. Like, this guy does not look like he's really suffering from anything. He just has, like, these physical reactions at times to it. I wanted to see – I at least wanted to see a gaunt man (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> jabbing people, <laughs> but yeah, we got we have somebody who kind of almost looks like a like a poor man's version of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two uh, with with a Mark Patton.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I just I was just like laughing because he's in the car literally like grabbing his chest and grabbing his stomach going, oh I've been in so much pain and this broad is like I'm so worried about you. What if you're sick?
1: Let me tell you firsthand, that ain't it. Okay. You know what? I get it. He's really reaching with it. Apparently he has age. She cares though. This poor
0: woman, he's so mean to her. Well, he she asks okay, so you get you actually get from her a little bit of dialogue that could be interesting in terms of character background and character development, because she asks him if he has seen a psychiatrist and then she makes a comment about, what did she say? Something about we know how, I know how you feel about women. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And then he leans in to start to try to kiss her. And he's like, come here, baby, give me some. She's like, no, somebody will see us. (laughs) and then as he's he's trying to kiss her he has another like i guess painful jab in his stomach from aids and he has to grab he's like ah, just take me home take me home he starts screaming at her to take him home and that's that's their interaction
1: the acting is
0: atrocious
1: but one thing i do want to say is what's not helping the acting is how completely stagnant and just awful the cinematography is like imagine the same scene but being shot with like you know like multiple angles i don't know you know shots give me give me a mid shot through the through a window like give me something that's not a dead-on shot through the car for the entire length of the scene i'm not saying that this movie would be any better in the sense of the story it's telling but at least if they made it look better i think that there would be more potential to intrigue me because, yes, you're right. There's some interesting dialogue here that I'm like, hmm, clearly this guy is suffering from something. She asks him if he's been to her, his psychiatrist. Like, he, he is right away introduced to somebody who's mentally off for some reason. Also not explored, by the way. All you know is this guy is having mental problems, but they, they keep it very vague. They never refer to it as a specific diagnosis. I mean, they just acknowledge that he has been seeing a psychiatrist and that he is mentally struggling uh, with something. It's extremely vague. And I think that's another huge letdown here is like, again, if you're going to shock me, if you're going to offend me, if you're going to throw AIDS in my face, you might as well throw in some kind of mental diagnosis too, but at least do it right. Like piss me off. I'm bipolar. In real life, I'm bipolar. You know what? Piss me off. Go all the way, but instead they just keep it really vague, and it loses a lot of its intrigue. And it just seems very like uneducated on everything it's talking about.
0: First of all, back to your note on cinematography. One of my notes in this for this film is that this is the f- flattest looking movie I've ever seen in my life. It's just there's no, you know, you talk about motion pictures, right? And like we talked about, I bring this up quite a bit because you know when we had Jamie Blanks on our urban legend episode. He talked about, you know, being fascinated with motion pictures as a child and that carried over into his filmmaking career. And his, one of his like filmmaking philosophies is it's called motion pictures, motion pictures for a reason. And the camera should be moving right constantly because that's what keeps your interest as a viewer. This film is so flat and so bland that there's no unique camera angles. The camera literally, it's like, the film, the cinematographer, if there even was one, just put the tripod, every scene, just put the tripod on the floor and just film the actors, no movement at all. And it becomes a very, like I said, boring, just bland thing to look at. Uh, and I think that's, you're, that really does hinder the, the film even more than every other problem that this film has, which let's be honest, is a lot. Secondly, this character of Jeff, okay, he's introduced right away. And yes, it's hinted at that he has psychological issues, not only by this girl, whoever she is, but his doctor later on in, in subsequent scenes says to various people, oh yeah, Jeff has had issues, psychiatry issues since he was a kid. It's mentioned like two or three times. The next scene, let's get into Okay. So I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. The very next scene after this conversation and argument with his girl and she takes him home it cuts to him in his doctor's office and he is you know it's like this is a young kid jeff is what it says he's 19 right yes it says he's 19 years old <laughs> so he's at the doctor's office the doctor tells him he's run some tests and he actually did some extra tests just to be safe so he has sent his blood in for an aids test and this is the moment that the doctor gives him his AIDS diagnosis. He's like, I'm sorry, you have the AIDS virus. And of course, Jeff's reaction is, oh, that can't be. Is, is it a misdiagnosis? And the doctor is like, no, we've, ran, we've run two tests. They both come back positive, which <laughs> this makes zero sense based on the end of the movie. Can we just put that? <sighs> okay. Anyway, so Jeff's all freaking out. The doctor's telling him not to freak out because they've made great progress in HIV and they have medication now and people can live a lot longer if they take care of themselves. Jeff screams, no, It's I got fucking AIDS. It's a death sentence. Nobody lives. And the the doctor's like, no, no, calm down, Jeff, and tries to grab him. Jeff literally shoves the doctor and threatens to punch him and storms off. That's our introduction to Jeff finding out he has AIDS. There's no buildup to it. There's no characterization for Jeff that makes me even give a shit to be honest with you like I know this is supposed to be an impactful moment oh my god nobody wants to to hear that they've been diagnosed with with the AIDS virus particularly in this time period but I don't care about Jeff the first interaction we got with Jeff he was being a fucking dickhead so why I think it, a big mistake this film made in terms of the character of Jeff was giving this AIDS diagnosis so early on without letting the audience know anything about him or kind of build up any sort of sympathy because his reaction after this just makes you hate this character even more. And this, so this film ends up literally having no real likable characters.
1: Yeah. The, the protagonist is the antagonist and I wouldn't call him an antihero because his journey is a very, um, irrational and, hostile one like there is not a single sympathetic core to this character even in the way he handles his like coping with his having AIDS it's always through anger and like listen like it's a scary journey I mean, it was scary in 2013 for me. Like, I can't imagine what it was like then in the 90s. But, like, for the love of God, like, if you're going to make the whole story about this guy, even if he's going to be the villain, because there's no way that somebody just jamming people, (laughs) giving them AIDS, can be played as a hero. There still has to be something where you feel the reasoning and rationale behind the mind of the individual doing this is stemming from something palpable, something like you can feel, something you can relate to. There is not a single shred of relatability to the character of Jeff. He's just angry. He's hostile. He's quote unquote crazy. And that's all they give
0: you. And it's not enough. It's not enough, honestly. And you know what? Yeah, I get it. I, you know, I, I grew up in the nineties. I mean, I, I feel like the nineties, you know, I, I, that's when I was in high school, the nineties, that was when I became as a gay man, sexually active. And so this whole HIV AIDS things was always at the back of my mind as I'm sure it was many, many, many gay men that grew up during this time period. Um, it was a scary thing. You know, it was something you thought about constantly. Like if you, Oh, if you had a, a one night stand and you might not have used a condom, uh Oh, you know, all that fear. And this was around the same time. Then when some of those like urban legends and whatnot were popping up about like, I, I think you know, this urban legend of, Oh, there, somebody was taping uh, syringes with AIDS-tainted blood to uh, gas pumps. Remember that? Or that urban legend about the the single woman that goes on vacation to like a, a tropical island and has a one-night stand, and when she wakes up in the morning, there's a jewelry box and she opens it and there's a note that says, "Welcome to the world of AIDS." I mean, there was all these like AIDS scare urban legends and things like that that are around the same time so i I see why this film was made it took that sort of hysteria that fear and wanted to do something with it but in the laziest in unimpactful way imaginable
1: yeah yeah it it really took such a lazy route with the whole storyline like it could have been so many things, and it's unfortunate that they chose the lamest, lamest approach to the concept. And, it, and in a way, like it's a, it's a bummer. Like I went into this wanting to be offended, and and it doesn't give me any of that. It just, I kind of feel like it wasted my time. So I, I don't know. I, I think one other big issue I really have here is. And just like the way all of the characters are handled, like you are introduced to random characters out of nowhere. Barely any of them are given any kind of proper introduction or explanation. People come and go like it's fucking Munchkinland. Like it's just a lot of nonsense. I don't know half the people who I'm getting introduced to, like what their purpose is or who they are. A lot of people just don't come back into play. Like let's talk about this doctor for a second. Like we come to learn that... Jeff's like journey through this film is eventually developing a hit list of people he wants to kill. Some of them are AIDS related and some of them are just people he's angry at. Like it's just very, very vague what's tying all these people together. But he's choosing to kill all these people. And this whole sequence with the doctor, his first interaction really with anybody other than that, that f- fair woman in the car that we've come to love so much. Um, <laughs> like, like this is his first real interaction with anybody else. And it's pretty hostile. I mean, he immediately physically reacts towards this doctor and the doctor is not very professional about the whole thing. The doctor like grabs him at one point and everything, but it's, it's very weird. But I would suspect that this doctor would be on the list Now, several people are killed, like, off camera, apparently. Like, there's several people who are, it's hinted they've been killed. But, like, this doctor, after a certain point, you never see him again. And you really think he would be a major player here. It's introduced in a way that you think he would be. But they just don't know how to handle their characters at all. People are just loosely kind of thrown into the story, and then they're removed when they're no longer necessary. And I hate that about this movie.
0: Well, after his diagnosis, he goes home and does the most cliched thing that we would expect. Uh, He goes and gets his gun, fake cry some, and puts the gun in his mouth like he's going to commit suicide. Of course, that's the logical reaction, right? It's completely what you would expect. But then the phone rings. and his co-worker calling him saying, hey, the boss is wondering where you're at. You've been gone for three hours. That's enough to halt his suicidal thoughts. That's it. He got called back into work. I don't know about you, but there are some days where if work called me and I had a gun in my mouth, I would fucking pull the trigger. This dude, is like, oh, I'm not going to kill myself. Okay, forget about that. I'll go back into work, where he is then promptly verbally abused by his boss
1: <laughs> i am so so very confused by his rationale here because like he is first of all where did this 19 year old procure this gun everyone in this movie has a gun let's be clear there's guns floating around here and there throughout the whole course of the film
0: he lives in his own apartment as well in la so he must be making a lot of money at this whatever this a is- delivery shop or whatever he, he works at. He's lugging boxes with his co-worker,
1: another character who randomly disappears after a certain point. And he seems to be really miserable in this job. But yes, for some reason this phone call is enough to, to cause him to stop and say, you know what? I'm not killing myself today. I'm going to... I want to live. I want to live. I want to go to the <laughs> yeah. job
0: that I hate. He's like... <laughs> he's like susan hayward i want to
1: live. he listen he he does not have a single thing to live for i mean i hate to say that for this <laughs> character but he seems to be just miserable across the board i i don't i don't understand any of his motivations at all i'm going to say that right now i don't understand where you get off thinking it's okay to jab people with aids blood uh, well let's move on <laughs>
0: Well, I love this scene where this we we do cut back to this doctor for like the last time and he is, he's he's making out with his nurse. His nurse is like sitting in his lap <laughs> behind his desk like they're just making out. I'm like, "Where is this coming from?" What kind of what kind of
1: Professional establishment is this, this doctor who's casually talking about this guy's AIDS while making out with this broad. He show yeah, he's kissing his
0: nurse and he says, Oh, by the way, he pulls Jeff's file and he's like, This is Jeff Miller. He's he's the kid that was here earlier. He he has AIDS. Oh no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's her. I love her response. She's like, "Oh, She's like sympathetic as she's mounting this doctor. Like, <laughs> like it's so weird. And it, again, if you're gonna give me that explore it further let's see this doctor come back and bang this broad let's get him get killed (laughs) get him get have them both get jabbed with aids needles together i know give it a give it a through story but it never again is this weird romance approach
0: Well, he tells her that he needs her to uh to call some, some specialists because he is concerned because apparently he is friends with Jeff's father, and Jeff has had psychological issues since he was a child. He, I feel like he's telling this nurse way too much.
1: He's, he's giving this woman <laughs> the whole backstory, and this woman, like, I'm sorry, but she's She not, just wants
0: dick. She just wants dick. She's That's not. All. The she last thing a she sh-
1: wants to hear right now is about contracting <laughs> AIDS, as she's about to get banged by her boss like i mean this is not the way to get this woman going but okay let's casually chat aids
0: <laughs> well jeff gets back to work and this co-worker who is unusually hyper <laughs> is like oh where have you been are you okay you look like crap the, the boss is pissed he says you can't take three hour lunch breaks and if you take three hour lunch breaks you're gonna get fired
1: that scene, that this whole workroom scene definitely looks like the start of a gay porno, which in this oh movie my. I've seen, I've this, seen this gay porno. And with this movie, I feel it kind of hits the nail on the head, but it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so but honestly, it does. It feels like like a cheap gay porn that I would see on like some compilation DVD I find in the middle of a porn bin.
0: Oh, I would have respected this this film a little bit more if he, if Jeff would have decided, you know what, I'm gonna give this coworker AIDS, but I'm gonna bang him in he the ass. He fucks him I'm in not- the ass. <laughs> (laughs) exactly bear raw dog i want
1: yeah like it's a really graphic sexy and then the boss comes in he's like oh (laughs) he's all shocked oh that would be so much more exciting than what we get Uh,
0: well this boss does come in and yells at jeff for being late from his break and tells him the next time you pull that shit you're gonna be in the unemployment line Uh, and jeff Jeff's response, Roger, is to storm out into the next room and be yeah. like, goddamn, fuck you. That's that's it. You're going on my list. I'm going to kill you. He So he he literally starts to make a hit list. like Just right then and there. Just right <laughs> then it, and the co-worker, yeah, really... the coworker comes in. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm putting him on a list. He's like, what is that? A grocery list? And of course, the boss comes in and Jeff gets fired because he didn't get back to work right away. The boss is like, get out of here. Scram.
1: I mean, I get why this boss is frustrated. Jeff his reaction to everything is just very, very angry. Everything! In the whole movie, it's anger. But in this case, when the boss, like, yells at him, he reprimands him. He's like, oh, you take a three-hour break? You think you're gonna take a three-hour break and just come back like everything is okay? Get back to work or else you lose your job. Jeff proceeds to respond by, like, throwing a box at him? Like, I'm sorry, if I was that boss, I'd be like, get the fuck out. Like, already at that point, I'd be like, get the fuck out. But no, the boss just closes the door and this to 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 just get through the day and then jeff's got to go and make a hit list (laughs) and he's sitting there slacking and then the boss comes in and fires him i fucking get it again it is really hard to sympathize
0: with jeff because he's an asshole his sole personality trait is to be explosive i think he has like explosive temper disorder because he is just unbearable like i i don't get the The idea that when the filmmakers were making this film and filming it, that they thought, "Oh, everyone's going to sympathize with this poor guy because he has AIDS." No, he's a fucking asshole. He treats everyone like shit. Particularly later that night, when when he's sleeping on his couch, when this when this demure (laughs) Marion Whitman, this drag looking thing, (laughs) she she comes in. She comes to my favorite. (laughs) She comes into his apartment. I had to think about I, – I thought for a moment that this was being played by a man, but it's not. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but this woman is just very masculine in her cheekbones and her, her – Her overall build. Her overall build. <laughs> oh, well, look at that. They well, got, she's
1: got that weird high-collar look going on. It doesn't really work for her, but she is demure. You're right in saying that. I like her. She's elegant. She's probably the most capable performer in the whole movie, which she's good enough that it is almost, it's almost, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying this woman is the best performer ever, but she at least understands how to execute natural emotions and reactions against people who do not.
0: So it's kind of jarring, but God, I wish I had more of her. Oh, she's not in the film very long at all. Her whole purpose is to show up to Jeff's apartment that night to offer him help. And he is instantly aggressive with her. Uh, And is like, nobody can tell me. I got AIDS. You understand that? AIDS. (laughs) Oh, the way he screams AIDS. And
1: then... To top it off, he cuts himself, and he, he says to her, he says, isn't blood uh, the best way to transmit AIDS? And she's like, oh, yes, it is. Oh, And he's like, well, come over here. And she's like, oh, get away. Oh, and she, <laughs> she, she delicately flees from the room, managing to push him over, though, because she is a linebacker. But Mary Whitman is obviously like horrified by what this guy's trying to do. And it's his
0: first, I think it's, you know, that's the seed that's been planted in his head that, oh my God, I can transmit AIDS to other people as a, as retribution because I've been wrong, even though I I don't know. Yeah. But this poor Rod runs out of the house. The next day she's at the doctor's office. He's like, did you go and talk to Jeff? And she's like, can't you tell I'm still shaking?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She is. She she is shaken up, and understandably so, because she's so delicate. But she's also very concerned about Jeff. She
0: flat out says, he's dangerous. We need to do something about him. But then, the very next sentence, the doctor's like, okay, well, let's call the police because he threatened you. She's like, oh, no, don't do that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely not. The man that tried to stab me with AIDS blood. Uh, Don't you dare call the police on him. Uh, Because she does say, she's like, he's sick. He needs help. So she's still coming from a place of concern. Which God, Mary Whitman, like a heart of gold, that one, because I'd be like, press charges immediately. This fucker just tried to stab me with AIDS. Uh, She is definitely a professional. And again, I wish I saw more from this character. We never see her again. Nope, she is
0: out of the picture now. The next day at the park, Jeff has told his girl, the same girl from the opening that he's in the car with, that he has AIDS. And her response is, Who told you you had AIDS? He's like, Well, the doctor had some tests. And she's like, You're not going to die. Maybe they're wrong. Then he just like explodes on her again. He's like, You just shut up. You're the one with the problem. Leave me alone. And he gets up and like walks away from her. And that's the last we see of her. This scene is clearly improvised <laughs>
1: like they gave them a basic idea like troy i feel like you and i could go ahead and recreate this scene right now i'm gonna play her you play jeff i don't want to give you anything to go off of just kind of try to recreate the dialogue as you remember it and go uh, uh
0: so i'm sick man i'm sick
1: oh did you go to the doctor did you ask him was wrong
0: I'm dying. I'm going to die.
1: What's wrong? Well, what did you, who's, What's wrong?
0: I have AIDS.
1: Oh, you got AIDS? Who told you you've got AIDS?
0: <laughs> the doctor.
1: The doctor he, well, he could be wrong. No, the doctors no, could be wrong. No, no, he could be, they he did, could they, be wrong. They,
0: they ran two tests, came back, I have AIDS, I'm dying. Oh,
1: well, what are you going to do? No, you,
0: you, you just shut the oh. fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Oh, you're you're Jeff! The, you, you're, the, you're the problem. Leave me alone. leave me alone. Jeff! <coughs> That is
1: literally verbatim. (laughs) What happens in this scene? It is shocking how void of actual scripted dialogue it is. Uh, But really, seriously, like what we just did was better and more coherent because I had I had to watch it with subtitles in order to understand what was going on. I could not transcribe a single. Thing these people were saying until words were in front of my face. Well,
0: yeah, but but again, you start the film with this broad who you think is his girlfriend, right? And then cuts to this scene, and he explodes on her again, and then you never see her again. And then it cuts to him in bed that night, and he okay, so he takes out this random paper that he looks at, and he he says his his exact words are Tanya, you little whore. You're the one that gave me AIDS, I bet, because I haven't slept with anybody in six months.
1: I don't believe that first of all. I don't believe that this guy is definitely sexually
0: active. Oh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. This is a hot a hot little nineteen year old boy. He's you're trying to tell me he didn't he hasn't slept with this Nagging broad that was in the car with him at the beginning and he just yelled at, you know he's banged her. He, but and, okay, so why then <laughs> again, nothing makes sense. This is an attractive guy, right? He's 19 years old. He lives in his own apartment. We are supposed to believe then that he paid a hooker to have sex with him. My huge issue
1: here is when he starts to like delve into his anger of of having AIDS, the choices he is making are, in my opinion... Very reasonable that he might have AIDS if he's fucking hookers <laughs> if, if if he's out in the early nineties fucking hookers I'm sorry but you're I don't wanna say you're bringing it on yourself but like my friend, you're living loose you're riding hard I mean you're fucking hookers at nineteen years old like i don't I don't understand why you can be so selfish to blame this on all of these other people and not hold yourself somewhat accountable. I mean, there is a level of accountability that comes with this journey, you know, and he just blames everyone for all of his problems, including fucking Tanya, who's rough. I mean, goddamn it. But like this is is a working woman putting food on the table and she's here to do a job. And you know what? If she gave you AIDS, honestly, I'm not surprised. This woman has probably not seen a doctor in at least three years. She's probably rotting internally. But man, you made the call to pay this woman money to sleep with her. You got to hold yourself a little accountable. And if he's going to be going after people he's pissed at, in the sense of just awkward decisions made when this script was written, because there are many, I mean, I don't, I can't make heads or tails of most of it. When you do have a character like a girlfriend, who is someone who I'm assuming that he was in some way, shape, or form sexually active with, who is you know concerned enough to... Uh, you know, inquire about his well-being and try to get him to talk to her, I mean, why wasn't she in some way, shape, or form incorporated on this list? Why would they factor her in somehow? Like, it just makes sense to me based off of his instincts and what he's trying to prove, what he's out to prove for himself, who he's trying to get vengeance against. Like, this character is ripe for further development. To not incorporate her is just like, nonsensical to me
0: yeah i mean that's the, the film suffers again from and i mentioned this earlier just from horrible characterization all around right we don't get any we don't understand any of the motivations what's driving the characters based on like past experiences we don't get there's no depth to this jeff character at all so it's it's really difficult to like to have any attachment to really give a fuck about what's going on And why he randomly thought of Tanya all of a sudden, like he said, he says he hasn't slept with anybody for six months. It was six months ago. So he randomly thinks about this hooker that he, that he slept with. And he, now he's convinced that she's the one that gave him AIDS. So she puts, so he puts her at the top of his hit list and calls her and tells her that he has a hundred dollars for her. And if she can meet him up again and it only take 10 minutes, she is not having any of it at first. She's like, no, last time I had to come over, you took too long. And then I had to pay the $10 that you paid me, the extra $10. I had to pay that for a cab home. So no, I'm busy. And he's like, no, 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 seriously, 10 10 minutes. I won't take more than 10 minutes. And it's a hundred bucks. And she's like, fine, I'll start the timer when you get here. And then she kicks that guy out of her bed.
1: Like there is a guy in the bed. You don't even notice it until after she's off the phone. And then he starts like moving. Um, I'm convinced that Tanya resides in the very same warehouse that jeff was just fired from which i also believe is part of the clinic that he was uh visiting earlier i think it's one
0: building that just it's a multi-purpose <laughs> it's sort of like that building in terrifier remember we talked about that where there's like a laundromat there's all kinds of shit going on
1: it is so cheap looking everything everything every location here just looks like flat and blase including this hooker's you know fuck house which i guess it makes sense <laughs> that it would look homely and unappealing um but uh, we're about to transition here really quick into a moment now that's uh i think another interesting character aspect that is about to be unleashed upon this film is with what's about to transpire it's going to become pretty clear here soon that jeff honestly in my opinion is not Really, the lead, the quote unquote lead of this film, as soon as this police presence that's about to come into play comes into play, Jeff almost in some aspects takes like a second hand seat, like a back seat to the story that we're about to be introduced to, which is these police officers. And I wonder if, like, that was part of the plan. Not saying there was a plan here to begin with, but I wonder if they're really skimming on his backstory, some of these characters, some of the, you know, the brief introductions and, and random disappearances of these characters, because he is intended to be secondary because once this goes police procedural route, I really think he's only there to be, uh, an, an the, the assailant and nothing more. Like there really is little more given to him other than his continuous breakdown and murdering and stabbing people. That's it. So I almost feel like he takes us, uh, a second place position to the storyline we're about to be introduced to. I wonder if that's why they went so thin on his overall introduction. Do you get what I'm saying?
0: Yes, it could be, but then the same thing happens again with, because yes, the film becomes a police procedural. Let's get into, let's get into that, this aspect of it because about 10 minutes in, yes, the film takes a drastic shift. Jeff becomes something that's put on the back burner, and we're then focused on these two police officers and their quest to find out what's going on with this L.A. AIDS jabber and if it's he's, he's really giving people AIDS. But I do appreciate the fact that when Jeff's on the phone with Tanya, we get a, a close-up of him withdrawing blood from his arm, <laughs> which does not make any sense because when he gets to her apartment, he goes to her apartment, and you know he shows up there, and she calls him Jimmy. And he's like, it's Jeff. And she's like, oh, Jimmy, Jeff, it's all the same. Hurry up. It's gotta be quick. And there's this moment where she like goes into the bathroom and he like takes more blood from his arm, but he just did I d I didn't what get that. What the this.
1: fuck? What the fuck is that? I
0: thought he I thought he was taking the blood from his arm when he was on the phone from her, and that was what he was gonna use. But when he gets to her apartment, he does it again.
1: Yeah. No, I know it's 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 like a continuity fuck up for yeah. sure.
0: Well they're Okay. Okay. This film A lot of them. This film does not care about logic in the long run. The end of this film, the last sentence in this film makes zero fucking sense.
1: It makes me fucking livid.
0: Oh, because it's so Ooh, we're gonna get there. But okay, so when she comes out of the bathroom, he gets up and he's like, I went to the doctor and guess what they told me. She's like, I don't give a shit. You got eight minutes. He's like, I have AIDS and you gave it to me and I'm going to give it. And he stabs this broad in the neck with the syringe and then like he's like, ha ha ha, welcome to the AIDS club. Even if it wasn't you that gave me AIDS, I'll see you in hell. And he like runs out laughing. I'm like, okay. Uh,
1: this escalates quickly. <laughs> I mean, this is quite a a moment, though it's not really shot to look like it because nothing in this movie looks appealing. But overall, I got to say first, I really have to admit that I hate needles. I mean, I've, I've got tattoos and I have HIV. I've had my blood drawn like vampires. They take it from me. They're always, they're wanting the blood. They're taking the blood. They're asking for eight vials of blood. I have nothing left in me. But still, I can't watch a needle Go into someone's arm without my butthole clenching, and and you see what I what I feel like is I'm assuming this guy just drawing blood from himself. No wonder this guy has fucking AIDS. I mean, he's just he knows clearly how to draw his blood. I'm assuming that this gentleman's shot heroin before or something with that smooth execution because he's pulling the blood out with this nasty, dirty fucking needle. Um, And then he does it again. This guy has no blood left in him. So I keep having to watch him take blood from his arm. And that's not pleasant for me. I don't find it scary. I'm just disgusted by it. But but then this attack happens. And honestly, like, these are the moments you kind of wait for in this film. Like, if you're going to see someone age jabbing, in a movie entitled "LA Age Jabber," I would expect this to just be like horrifying and and shocking and gruesome. But one thing I have to say is like I don't feel there's really a way when you watch these scenes unfold. As shocking as the concept is, it never like really lives up to the the shock factor you anticipate to come from it. And I'm curious, how do you push that boundary? Like v- visually, when you're watching the scene. How could they have really gone there with this to make it something that truly is shocking? Because aside from in context, I don't necessarily find the idea of a guy going around just sticking people with needles to be something that I'm going to like. You know, watch on screen and, and and find actually horrifying or terrifying or something that's going to make my skin crawl. Uh, I don't know if there's really a way to do it or pull it off. Um, so. I'm gonna say it right now: the age jab and across the board is pretty fucking lame. Um, it never really hits the kind of fever pitch or peak that I think you would want to see is going into this movie, especially with that box art you're talking about. I was at least expecting shit tons of blood and gore, and you don't get much of it at all.
0: No, and you know, you ask you know, like, what could have been done to make it, you know, more impactful, okay, different camera angles, at least like this is when, this is when a competent cinematographer really could have made use of various camera angles, push-ins, close-ups, things like that. But they don't, like I said, it, it looks like that a tripod was set up right in front of this broad's bed. And that's how this entire scene was shot. Even when he jabs her, you don't really see it. You see him make the motion, but it's from a static camera position. And which is a wide. It's always wide. There's no close-ups. There's no camera movement. There could have been zooms. There could have been all this. Like you could have actually got a really good close-up of the needle going into the neck and everything. The, the him pushing the, the close-up of his thumb pushing the blood into. it. You don't get any of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I it's just I, maybe in the hands of more competent filmmakers, they could have made it at least a little bit more impactful, at least a little bit more cringeworthy. But you don't you don't see anything. So I mean. The aftermath is him running out and then this girl, this tan girl sitting on the floor crying, screaming, and dun-dun-dun, it turns into a police procedural now because we have Detective Stearns and Detective Rogers show up. These two
1: fuckers are really the quote-unquote stars of the film. And I use the term stars lightly, loosely, Only because, I mean, let's be real. Nobody in this movie is really great, but you know, these two are not what I would consider to be the strongest actors I've ever seen on on screen. I do feel that yet again, I'm sure with better direction, like you said, better camera angles, someone putting in a little more uh, effort to ensure the visual aspects of the film were, you know, up to par with common standards. Um, I do think that they could have maybe been a little bit more acceptable, you know, in the, the right the hands of the right director or the right filmmaker. Um, because they have moments where I kind of buy them in these roles, but between like her sensible blonde like soccer mom braid and her love of pussy bows, and like some of like just the strange like wardrobe choices. Like at times she just looks like a soccer mom with a shotgun and It just, you know, they don't really ever completely gel. Um, And then there's this really weird shift that happens like halfway into the movie that any characterization that was being built up between these characters is literally thrown out the window. You know, it's just, it's really difficult to uh, accept the shift that this storyline makes here now, at this point in the movie transitioning from jeff being the focus to now these two who i find to be just significantly less interesting it, it really is just thrown through a police procedural and a sloppy one at that like these bumbling idiots have no fucking idea what they're doing they're releasing info to the public through radios they're i mean i don't know how half the shit happens but things just keep going awry for them but yeah it becomes this kind of just like whole scenario with the police department trying to like put out fires. And I just don't find that that interesting and at least not compared to a man going around jabbing people with AIDS.
0: It reminds me of like that movie from the seventies that called drive in massacre that, that starts very much like a slasher film where like a couple making out in a car to drive and get murdered. And there's like a really cool decapitation and you think you you think you're in for a slasher film that takes place at a drive in. And it, about 10 minutes in turns into a police procedural. That's what kind of this reminded me of because yeah, these two characters, these, this Rogers and Stearns just aren't engaging enough. And I, nothing was done like costuming wise to make me buy, especially the girl Rogers to make me buy that. This was a real like police officer. I mean, she's showing up to work and like basically like, jogging pants and, and, and a sweatshirt i mean she never looks professional there's a moment where she's like they show her wake up from bed and she's her this is supposed to be a detective on the police force and she's sleeping like on a sleeping bag on the floor that <laughs> just it, there's nothing that makes me buy that this is a police officer uh the guy stearns is a little bit more believable just because they at least put him in a suit you know but yeah it's just insane so they show up to Tanya's house. And I love this, this landlord. He's like, she's been nothing but trouble for a year. And, <laughs> And then- you know what I think? I think that she's a
1: hooker. I think, I mean, like, they literally had to be grabbing people out of the apartments there and filming it <laughs> in and asking them. Not even saying, like, you want to be in a movie. They were like, please be in this movie. We need somebody to play the landlord. That's
0: probably my favorite line in the movie. I th- You know what? I think, I think she's a hooker.
1: <laughs> she is. And he's right. I mean, the man has good instincts because Tanya is, in fact,
0: a hooker. Can we talk about just, this scene illustrates, like, how... The filmmakers had no idea how characterization works and how realistic characterization works because in one minute, Tanya is on the floor screaming bloody murder. The, the paramedics, they're trying to help her and she's freaking out. She's like, oh, please help me. Please help me. You know, and you think, oh, my God, she's been traumatized by this. But the, the second the, the detective show up to try to help her, to try to get information from her, she turns into a fucking cunt. Oh, my God. A 180 shift. Like, if one moment she's a hysterical mess on the floor crying, thinking she has AIDS, and then the detectives show up to actually get information so they can figure out what ha- And she's a fucking bitch to them.
1: Uh, I, I have so many issues well, with everything about this movie. But just this scene alone. First of all, they come in and they say, oh, I, we thought this was a homicide. Nobody's dead. Like, how does one mistake in a homicide? <laughs> like, these... Fuckers are incompetent. Well, you saw that landlord probably called him. You heard the screaming bloody murder. So then the woman's been injected with blood. She's been injected. A man stuck a syringe in her. Take her to the fucking hospital. I don't care if she doesn't have insurance. I don't care if she's a hooker. Someone, (laughs) some man came in and injected her with an with something and it's 1994 it is running rampant even if you're not intentionally injecting people with it so the, the fact that, like, she casually, like, doesn't want to share information with them, she instantly gets really shitty with them, she's being real difficult, I would be like, please take me to the fucking hospital, I'll tell you anything you need to know, I can't remember the guy's name, but I am struggling to, like, I know it's Jimmy or something, it starts with a J, like, let's, let's start figuring out who just busted into my house and injected me with AIDS blood. It's very casual, the way this is
0: all handled. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, well, you know what? You go get tested and come to, come to the station tomorrow and look at some photos. Photos of what? Uh, like, what is she looking at photos of? Syringes? Oh, there's no, like, they, they. she gave them zero description of the guy. So what do they have? What photos do they want to show her? I mean, of People dying of AIDS. I don't know what, they want. <laughs> what stage of AIDS is this man. They like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> just have AIDS patients lined up. <laughs> this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> just get ready. Well, and like I, uh, the, uh, beyond the writers not having any idea of how to you know write basic human interaction uh, or any form of characterization, they also know nothing. At all about, like, the ins and outs of, like, working on a police force. Like, it is so, like, it is so, like, loosely tied together, the way these fuckers are handling this case. Like, it does not make sense, like, their instincts, their decisions, like, the things they choose to not, like, act upon. (laughs) Or at one point they are literally attacked by... The LA is jabber in his home and he runs away and they don't they choose to not pursue him. Like like everything they do just seems like the exact opposite of what I would expect an actual police officer or detective to do. Like their natural instincts, their understanding of their jobs. So it's clear that the people that wrote the script did no homework whatsoever on the ins ins and outs of being a police officer. They kind of just went off of their idea of like, this is what I think a police officer would act like. This is my basic understanding of the job. It's kind of like that podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but it's um, my dad wrote a porno about this guy's, whose father starts writing erotica, but he has no understanding of how to write it at all, or just write in general. Like he's never written anything. So like, it's everything the characters do in the books he writes are completely like unnatural they don't seem at all like things people would do whatsoever and this made me think of that because it's clear the writer just had no idea what they he was writing about it doesn't feel authentic at all
0: well i don't even think the writer understood truly like the aids virus and how Quickly, it can be detected and whatnot, because there are things that are said in this movie. And I know in 1994, there was no way that you could find something that you could diagnose somebody with AIDS this quickly. I mean, that's just become a very recent thing, like in in terms of from the moment they get, they contract the the virus to the moment that you can actually, as a physician or a doctor or a medical professional, Take a sample and be like, "Yes, you have the virus." That used to take a, a long time. I just feel like, yeah, the writers have no concept of any thing. They just got this idea and threw it down on paper and did didn't bother doing any like research or any like I don't know, watching other films to get an idea of how a film is actually made. Maybe it's just lazy, lazy, lazy. Uh, and these detectives, yeah, these are incompetent people because some of the shit that the AIDS jabber can do, like the AIDS jabber, this this Jeff guy is able to like get the best of these cops like five different times.
1: They are just
0: bumbling. He, he, he handcuffs one of them at one point. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But as they leave the apartment, they do discuss like they try. To, they need to keep this under wraps because if they let this get out to the public, they're going to have a, a massive like hysteria. People are going to be scared. At the height of this where we're thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen now? There is this whole scene where they go to park in this deserted parking lot. And Rogers is like, why are we here? And Stern says, well, I'm meeting Jowalski here. We need to talk about something. So this Jowalski, who is another, I guess he's a detective in the same force, shows up and gets in the car, makes poor Rogers get in the back seat. And says that they have a problem. And then this turns into, what What the fuck is this? Why do we give a shit about this? What does this have to do with L.A. AIDS jabbing? Because this dude is like, oh, my, my wife's ex-husband's in town and he's a real asshole. He's an alcoholic and he's, thr- he's he used to beat her up and he's threatening to sue for custody of the kids and I need you to take care of him.
1: I feel like they realized at a certain point that you can only do much with an L.A. AIDS jabber. Like, you can only stab so many people with needles. It's only going to take up so much time. I think they realized they needed to, like, pad the story. So they add this whole, like, elaborate sides plot with this character, Jawalski, who only exists to have the side plot. Aside from that, he is not tied to the case. He's only existing in scenes that have to do with his basically asking Joe... The one cop Joe to like go rough up his wife's ex husband, who's an alcoholic and was abusive and like won't leave her alone. So he asks a fellow police officer to go threaten somebody. I mean, this is the first warning sign of many that these fuckers are just like, aside from being horribly written, they're just bad cops aside from rogers i guess like she's pretty much like straight and narrow everyone else around her is hiding shit covering shit up talking shitty about people who are getting injected with aids just being completely unprofessional
0: well, Rogers had once nothing to do with this. She's like, I'm not doing this. What, what the hell are you? Why are you wasting our time? And there's this moment where Jawalski turns around. And he's like, what's your problem? You on your rag? Oh my God. They're horrible to her. It is very like early nineties.
1: Like it's clear that there is not yet a, a woman's movement of any kind
0: because poor Rogers is really treated like shit by a lot of these men. Well, she gets out of the vehicle. She's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Then there's this. It cuts to Jeff in bed with. There's all these moments where we do cut back to Jeff for like ten seconds, and he's like in bed with blood all over his face. Have, did you notice that?
1: When I was watching it at first, I actually thought that it was like there. I thought they were going to start showing, like I said, like lesions or sores, and I was like, God, oh, that's fast. But at the same time, I was like, Well, at least they're like go in there. They never do. He always looks young and fair and handsome. Never looks ill. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was actually going to be like sores. And instead, I just think it's because he keeps fucking taking blood from himself. I mean, how much blood does he have in him?
0: That's what I was. Yeah. Cause there's blood all over his face and he's like looking at something. He's like, Oh, you took Jenny away from me. I'm going to show you. She's going to know what it's like to be a widow. Uh, okay. This dude is 19, right? So he says earlier in the film, he hasn't had sex for six months. So put that, you know, he's probably 18 at that moment but now he's with some woman named Jenny that in the meantime dumped him, but now is married because he says she's going to be a widow. How does this make any fucking sense?
1: He, he states that she's going to learn what it means to be a widow. So like he's on a full vengeance mission is what I'm assuming, but it's not even like AIDS is playing a factor anymore. It's just, it's just, people that he's pissed at, he's just going to give him AIDS. <laughs> like, apparently, he's, everyone who's ever wronged him, he's going to just give him AIDS. And I think that's just a horror. I mean, what a horrible person. God, I have no sympathy for you if you're just going to give people AIDS because you dislike them for some reason. And what is even more offensive about this, Troy, is like, okay, if you're going to give me that elaborate of a setup with this whole backstory, to not show the sequence of him AIDS jabbing this guy? Because we've come to find out it's just transpired that a random businessman has been jabbed. It's mentioned. You don't see it. I mean, what the fuck? Who the fuck is writing this? How dare you at least allude to another age jabbing and then not provide it? Like, why even mention it? Why even go there? Why even touch on it if you're not going to follow up with it?
0: Yeah, I did. I thought it made no sense, but then I was thinking about the whole idea that this is a 19-year-old kid and he's jabbing some businessman, which insinuates that this gentleman is much older. So was he dating an older woman? I don't know. It just makes zero sense. But yeah, the next day at the station, basically they find out from the captain that the syringe that was found at Tanya's house did test positive for AIDS. Okay, this is a problem after having this watched is a the whole huge film. Huge problem. I
1: mean, it is really a massive plot issue.
0: <laughs> and this isn't the only time it happens either. So these filmmakers have a lot of explaining to do come the end of the film. But they tell the captain um that they need to keep a lid on it so that they don't scare the public. And the captain's like, yeah, 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 just find the guy and bring me his head on a plate. This
1: captain cannot get a full sentence out without stumbling and bumbling through it. He's He's just all marble mouthed. He's very old and frail. Like He doesn't really come off as intimidating, but he's the captain and they respect him and he makes some really, I think, awful decisions, being like a A figurehead within this department. He is adamant that they keep everything under wraps. And like, I get it. You don't want the public to react. But once you're at age jabbing three or four, I do think it is your duty as a police force to disclose this to the public. And they keep just wanting to hide it. Sweep it under the rug.
0: Well, I find it interesting in, in that regards that it's LA, you know, in LA, the LA Police Department does not historically have the best reputation, so I'm wondering if that played into their characterization of these cops. I mean, just a thought. I mean, I'm I'm probably giving these filmmakers way more credit, but that was a thought of mine. I I guess because it was LA, I was sort of not really bothered by like the incompetency because that's just to be expected from LA, uh, particularly during this time period. But I get what you're saying. I, I doubt it was on purpose. I doubt they thought that deeply about it. I hope it was. I do too, but I don't think it was. I'm just giving them the huge benefit Yeah, because
1: the they The cops do such awful things towards the end of the film uh, that I think the only way to make some of these moments palatable is to make it like it was intentionally a uh, like <laughs> putting the that police force under the microscope, you know, and really like diving into it. As other, other than that, it's just horrible writing if that's not the case.
0: Well, and then we cut to the scene that, Roger, you, <laughs> I am not like the most uh, tech savvy person in, out there. How is, okay, so I, I had, I was, uh, okay. So we cut to some mullet guy sitting with his sister, right? who ends up being whatever the fuck her name is. We get to her later. Uh, she ends up being a reporter. He has a boom box, Roger. This is just a very traditional boom box that you saw anywhere in the early 90s, late 80s, right? Just think of the very cliched boom box, the one John Cusack was holding up and say anything, right? That's what he has. He's pretending like it's some technological wonder that he's bought and he ha- it has all these features in the meantime, the, it's cutting between him showing this his sister this new boom box he bought and Stern and Rogers getting a call and the captain taking the call on a different phone because he doesn't want, he wants to be careful. And he's told that the AIDS jabber struck again and jab some businessman. That's how we find out about it. And somehow... Some way, is this possible? Someone, they, Mullet and his sister can hear this conversation through this boombox.
1: I have so many questions about the choices that were made in this scene. Down to if you look at the costumes, they are wearing the costumes from the day prior. Whereas you just had a moment in the police station where you had Stephanie Rogers. In a completely different outfit, like a dress, like a like a secretary-like ensemble. And now she's back in that goddamn green turtleneck.
0: She has the frumpiest wardrobe. Oh, my
1: God. She looks like she's a substitute teacher. It's unfortunate. <laughs> and, and she's got that goddamn side braid that makes her look like she's from a production of Heidi. Like, it's just... It's a very strange choice across the board. But so then all of a sudden they're talking about going to this game very casually and you get a snippet of it. There's a lot of moments here that are edited real brief. Like you get three seconds and all of a sudden you're under a different scene. You got this mullet and you've got this gal who is this gal on the couch. Is this Judith? It is Judith. It is Judith. Because I couldn't even fucking tell. I literally thought... When we do see Judith again later with her goddamn big old sex hair that we'll talk about in a little bit. When we see her then, she does not look like the same person. So apparently she's just hanging out with her brother. He's showing off his fancy new radio. For a second, this feels like it's good, literally just built up to be a big old infomercial for this radio brand, the way they're talking about it. And cutting back and forth with no rhyme or reason, just jumping back and forth between conversations, they managed to pick up The the cell phone conversation? Maybe because this is like an old cell phone, like a very old dated cell phone, and maybe these things could pick up. Kind of like if you pick up another another house's phone line. Remember how that used to happen when you had landlines? Sometimes you'd get another line. I wonder if this is like something similar. I don't know if this is factual or realistic, but it still feels fucking absurd that they just managed to pick up this goddamn police phone phone conversation it, it's so random
0: yeah well that's how this judith who we find out as a reporter gets a scoop because she's now she's like well that doesn't sound right why would they why would they be saying you know to keep this under wraps the public needs to know so now she has it in her mind that she needs to get on this story then we find out that the guy that sterns was sent to rough up calls the captain to tell him that he's been threatened by one of his police officers. So there's a confrontation between the captain, Jolowski and Stearns. And the captain's like, I should fire you. What, what were you thinking? They're like, I don't know. This guy's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He's He used to beat my wife senseless. And the captain says, well, yeah, I should suspend you, but I won't because i probably do the same thing under the same circumstances. It
1: becomes real light real quick. Like they're like laughing it off. They're okay with the fact that this cop hired another cop to beat somebody up because he was pissed at them. They seem to kind of just roll it off their backs and kind of move on to the next point, and it's never addressed again.
0: No, this whole now, this whole subplot is dropped completely. We never hear about it again, which is fine with me because it was stupid in the fucking first place.
1: So, th- this scene transitions into Judith now in her news attire, which is significantly more glamorous. So we've got a lot of pastels, electric pinks, real big hair. Judith is confidant. Judith is on the job, and she is ready to call some shit out. And so she calls up the station, and she's immediately like, my name is Judith Campbell from Channel 9 News, and I have questions regarding the AIDS jabber. And they like try to like discuss amongst themselves and kind of figure a way to like bargain with her to make sure she doesn't go to the public with the information. And she is like, absolutely not. No deal. Cops. watch the five o'clock news. Go fuck yourselves. And and I like, you know, I'll say about Judith. I like that. She's a no nonsense kind
0: of broad. I do like that. She's a no nonsense kind of broad, but yeah, this what she does. (sighs) You know, it doesn't help matters at all. It does not. No. Yeah. So she gets on the five o'clock news and she is literally like I don't know. I've never seen a news reporter say some of the shit that she does. She's like, cops are unwilling to help me and there's an AIDS uh there's a, a lunatic running around jabbing people with an AIDS laced blood. They're just they're just letting this sicko do whatever he wants. And to you, sicko, I say Keep doing it. You're gonna rot in hell, and we will catch you.
1: Her report is very unprofessional, and she's like—I mean, she's brutal. She is just going in on the police force. Shame on you, police. Shame on you. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) I gotta say though, nothing she says is more offensive than the captain than saying. If she was a man, I'd bust her in the (laughs) chops. like, really, you're threatening a woman. Like, okay, man. But I, I, you know, I like that she goes to the public. I do think she is stirring the pot. It's probably, you know, inciting panic, which is not necessarily acceptable. Um, I do like that this moment ends with this kind of dramatic moment of him smearing blood across the TV. Like, that's one shot that I was like, oh, that seems really significant here. You don't get a lot of those in this film, so I'm really reaching <laughs> for something. But uh, I did like that moment.
0: Yeah, you t- you're talking about Jeff. He's, he sees the newspaper. He sees the news broadcast. Yeah, and he wipes blood on the TV, and he's like, "You're next." And he puts he puts Judith on his hit list at that moment. So yeah, it is a, it is kind of a significant moment. But yeah, she totally, totally um, fucked a lot of things up. So, yeah, then we get this moment again that doesn't make much sense in terms of the end of the film, but the captain comes in to tell the detectives that the two people that have been injected, so we're assuming Tanya and the businessman, have tested positive for AIDS.
1: This is prominently mentioned without doubt or question. And this is also building off of earlier in the film when the doctor said that he had it tested multiple times mind you like this is now several people who have turned up to be quote unquote positive with aids um and multiple tests stating that fact this is extremely problematic considering the ending of the film but we'll continue now for the sake of getting through this episode
0: (laughs) and so the captain says we need to catch this guy asap as soon as we can Rogers wakes up The next morning at 4.20. And she's laying on a sleeping bag on her floor. Like how does a cop not afford a mattress? But whatever. The captain's there at her house at 4 a.m. So something's not. And this is when the film takes another drastic turn. Because what he tells Rogers is that Stearns was hit last night by a drunk driver head-on. And both the drunk driver and Stearns were killed. Why? What the fuck does this have to do with the plot? What was was the reasoning for this?
1: There is no way that you can convince me that this plot twist (laughs) exists simply because the actor that played Stearns was so fed up with this fucking production that he walked and they had to find a way to provide a solution. Because once this happens, it's never addressed again. There is a new officer, Smithers was introduced, who steps in to Stern's place, and he literally just kind of continues Stern's storyline moving forward. He fills that void for Roger's partner and That's the end of
0: it. Yeah, he very much emulates everything that Stearns did. I mean, it's almost the same character, even. There's no difference between the two of them. And you know, Rogers is is tore up there for a few moments, but then it's like, yeah, the next scene, she's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's that was totally my thought. I was like, I wonder if this actor like quit or or something halfway through the film and they had to do something to to remedy that. And this is what they came up with, because it just comes out of fucking nowhere. Of course, they have to show that she's depressed or, or, you know, torp about it. So there's a moment of there's like a five minute scene of her walking around downtown L.A. at night crying. She is going through it. At least they
1: let her have an emotional response to the loss of her partner for a second. But God, I mean, you literally see all of the stages of grief on this woman. She is roaming the streets of LA. She's weeping, looking into store windows. She's mourning. She's sinking to the sidewalk in tears. It's just, it's so out of nowhere. And then as as abruptly as it's introduced the mourning process is over and there is another cop and his name is Smithers and he's there to stay. He's there for the rest of the Yeah.
0: Film. So we get introduced to Smithers when he is with Rogers and apparently they're looking for like a snitch or something. And they're out on the streets of LA looking for somebody. And there's this couple that um, are on the street and Jeff comes out of nowhere. He He makes his appearance and he runs between the couple and knocks them both down. And the guy gets up and just says to Jeff, come here. I want to talk to you. And so inside the cop car, Rogers is asking Smithers, um, if there's anything he wants to talk to her about, like his marriage, is his marriage. Okay. And he, uh, she asks him if he wants to disclose his marriage problems to her.
1: Another reason why it feels very much like they just replaced the character with another actor, because even the dialogue here, like it feels like these two have like history, have been working together. If this was the character prior, if this was Joe, then I would feel like this dialogue made a little more sense because it seemed like the two of them at least had a working relationship like more of a comfortable, casual relationship. But these two, I've never seen them together before. I have no idea who this fucking guy is. He's barely introduced. He's just there all of a sudden. And for them to have this like deep relationship conversation about their marital issues, like what the fuck is going on? And how does it just naturally play into what's going on with Jeff that they now like encounter him?
0: Yeah, it's so weird. It's just a weird setup. Yeah, why does she want to know about his marriage? And then Jeff showing up. And it cuts back to Jeff and he goes to the guy that he just knocked down and they get into a scuffle. And like the guy's girlfriend tries to grab Jeff and he's, and he stabs her in the leg with a needle. Like you can't, you don't see the needle. Like I, I don't even think he's really holding a needle. I think they just said, Oh, pretend like you're stabbing these two because you see him like jab the girl in the leg. And then like the other guy, and he takes off running. And of course, Rogers and Smithers get dispatched to the scene where the couple have been poked and they're like laying on the sidewalk. Rogers asks for a description. So they give him a basic description of the guy that jabbed them and then they head out to look for him and they actually find him walking there, There's like, even Smithers says, Hey, imagine that. Look at that. There's a guy that fits our description. So he pulls over, gets out um, and says, Hey, Hey, we want to talk to you. And Jeff takes off running.
1: Be fucking discreet, Jeff. Like, Jesus Christ. Immediately, Jeff makes himself to be so obviously the LA AIDS jabber without question. Um, I do also feel that like these police officers, again, making horrible choices, they find these two people, Susan and her ex boyfriend, Rick Lizard. <laughs> his, his name is Rick Lizard. That is the man's name. And so, or so, how she introduces him. But they both. Admit that they have been jabbed. And this is a growing epidemic in this city by this point. Ta- I mean, take these people to the hospital. They clearly have AIDS now. Like, all signs point to AIDS. And they don't. these officers don't do anything to assist them. And the woman, she even does make a statement saying, oh, no, insurance is too expensive. I don't care, ma'am. You have AIDS. We have to get you to a hospital. But no, the cops just casually leave them and go ahead and pursue Jeff and I'm happy they do because we finally do have this moment where we get a little bit of like a chase sequence it ain't much but at least they're running you've got soccer mom Rogers 20 feet behind everything because she can't keep up
0: well she's a husky broad I mean
1: (laughs) mean, she's 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 got curves but yeah i mean she's she's got some curves on her but i like her like that she chooses to not even follow behind i'm even wrong she stays at the car yeah she gives
0: she goes back to the car and sits on the hood and lets smithers chase jeff and smithers finds jeff behind a dumpster um, and tells him to come out puts his hands up and drop the weapon and jeff obliges but then as he goes to arrest him jeff is able to kick him How? I don't know. And take his handcuffs and handcuff him and take off running.
1: These cops are incompetent. I've said it before. I've said it again. They are not capable of doing their job. There should be other people doing this. Somehow this 19-year-old child manages to overwhelm this professional officer, manages to not only take his gun, but handcuff his hands together. And another thing that's mind-boggling here is There's no way that Smithers didn't get a clear look of Jeff at this point. Like he is clearly handcuffed by him. But later on in the film, we have a sequence that comes up in which that's not acknowledged at all that they've seen each other before.
0: Well, then why didn't Jeff jab him with it? He's that's his like that seems to be his defense mechanism It's jabbing everybody with needles. He didn't jab Smithers. And then I love uh, Rogers reaction when Smithers comes walking up the street and he's handcuffed. She's just laughing. She's like, oh, why are you handcuffed? Bitch, why aren't you doing your job? There's, <laughs> you're just... there's someone getting
1: away. Why are you just waiting for this other officer to come back? You should have at least driven the car over and tried to assist. And it becomes like this light kind of comedic moment. I'm like, oh my God, you're not doing your jobs. Like chase after him. He is the L.A. age jabber.
0: Well, in the in – Tradition of random scenes out of nowhere, we get another one in this film and it's Jeff walking down the street when this rough looking fortune teller (laughs) standing out in the street corner stops him and she wants to tell him his fortune
1: this mysterious woman where is she coming
0: from but she, he's like i don't have any money and she's like no no come i'll do it for free
1: why is she doing this for free like who is she that she can be offering her services and she's so mysterious she's got a thick accent she says come i tell you your fortune and he's very resistant she's like no i i will tell you for free i just want to help she wants to help him and he's very resistant she starts telling him his fortune she's Fucking dead on like this broad needs to take her act on the road because she is very specific in the traits that she's identifying about his life, about his, his issues, his illnesses, his health and his anger.
0: Using the good old tarot cards. Yeah, she's telling him that she can see that he has health problems. She tells him that he's extremely angry and he's not going to be happy until he squeezes all of that anger out and gets to get even at the person that he thinks is the cause of it. And at that moment, he explodes on her. He grabs this poor woman by the throat (laughs) and her reaction is, well, I can't do her accent, but she's like,
1: I got it. Why are you doing this to me after I try to help
0: you? And uh he he runs out. He tells her she's full of shit and he runs out of her shop and that's that scene. Why do we got it? Who the fuck knows, but it's there. She never comes back ever again.
1: She is an enchantress with her mythical ways. I don't understand
0: how she knows what she but, knows, but But Roger, what was the point of the scene? Narr- Narrative-wise, what did this add? to this ever-so-complicated plot.
1: It adds absolutely nothing. And if anything, I mean, why is L.A. AIDS Jabber even risking it? I mean, he he says to her, he's like, I don't believe in that. But still, if someone's like, oh, well, I want to tell you your future, I want to tell you everything, I'd be like, listen, regardless of the fact, I've been stabbing people with AIDS needles. I don't need this broad to turn out to be the one person that can actually read the future and... Calls me out on my shit. That, that was the worst possible thing he could have done, going and seeing a goddamn fortune teller when you're killing people. They know these things. That's what they're there to do. So, yeah, it seems like a very strange scene. It never comes back into play. It's not like she calls the police and tells them that she was attacked by the L.A. AIDS jabber. It, compl- you could have cut the scene from the movie and it would have had zero impact on everything else going on it does not impact anything at all
0: no and then we find out the next scene that uh, somehow some way rogers has a son and a husband give me more of this backstory for for a moment they deep dive
1: (laughs) into rogers personal life you find out she has a a silken haired lover a husband with with flowing locks and uh, apparently he's a stay-at-home dad. How progressive for 1994. And you got Rogers, who's out there bringing home the bacon, you know, and taking care of of, of her four-year-old child. Imagine being the parent of this toddler. This child agreed, does not
0: know how to act. This or, uh, to- Are you watching? Are you, really
1: th- you think that they're <laughs> really going to be able to find a huge volume of people out there who well, are willing to lend their you- child to
0: L.A. AIDS Jabber? <laughs> and I'm not being, okay, but this child looks like this child does not belong to either one of these parents. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> this child is, has like a has like a rich Latino yes. skin co- tone, like a <laughs> co- like a very like this is a light, tone.
0: Uh, This is obviously a Latino child, even with his accent, and the parents are both Lily White. That you lit- They literally just borrowed a neighbor's kid
1: they found the only child they could get their hands on and they used it in this one scene. And I feel bad for that child. I honestly feel bad for everybody involved for this movie. I can't imagine looking back on this with pride. But yeah, somehow someone agreed to let their kid appear in L.A. Age jammer. <laughs> Good for you, parent of the
0: year. <laughs> but her husband is like chastising her for being gone so much. And she's like, the captain expects me And Stearns, She says, Sterns a big flub because she met Smithers because Stearns is dead. Remember that was my first indication. Okay. So I thought about it when it happened, but then when she says Stearns in this scene, I feel like that was a mistake. It was like in the script Stearns. She was supposed to say Stearns, that actor quit, but they, they never caught that in the script. Did you catch that when she says that? She's like, the captain expects me and Stearns to solve this.
1: I did not catch that. And I love that you did because, well, A, I think that there, this is the kind of production where they took scenes and just moved them around to fit uh, accordingly with what they needed at the time. I don't even think there is like a rhyme or reason. Uh, but B, I... Even without that, without you saying that, I already suspected that to be the case. And I feel like this is just more proof yes, that we that, are correct.
0: It cemented it for me because I guarantee you that's what happened. I guarantee you this actor quit and they, they had to redo the scene and add this Smithers guy. But then the script in, in this particular moment, she was supposed to stay, say Stearns. It was just never corrected. And so she says Stearns. And, and then this little boy is like, mommy, look at this picture I drew you. It's a bad guy getting arrested. And she's like, oh, my God, where'd you learn to do that? And he says, school, of course. And then he, like, looks at the camera. (laughs) It's like, poor little kid. Why are you making him be an L.A. AIDS jabber?
1: Oh, my God. He's never going to live that down. You know when his friends in high school find out that he's the child in L.A. AIDS jabber, they all made fun of him. Uh, Because this is not something you look at back on with pride. But it it exists in the world and and – He's all the better for it, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, but then after her little spiel, her husband is a little bit more understanding. And she says, if they don't solve this case in two weeks, I'll ask to be off the case. But I got to go. He's like, can't you stay for dinner? No, I got to go. And So she goes.
1: If I'm going to give any kudos to anything that they did with any aspect of the film whatsoever, it's at least like there's this one moment here where her character is... If anyone's kind of a hero here, it's it's Rogers. At least she seems like she's really trying to do the right thing. Never the source of any of the, I would say, um, poor decisions that are made by the police force. She's kind of just following orders. But this moment here, the fact that she is the the breadwinner and her husband is the one taking care of the child, that felt like kind of a progressive choice for me. And the fact that they just let her kind of have a moment that was not L.A. AIDS, and related... I just wish again, I wish these characters would come back into play. There's so many characters that you never see again. And this is just two more to add to the list. They never come back.
0: Yeah. Rogers is the most likable character in the entire film. She's not a terrible actress, but a lot of her line delivery is very stilted and very flat. But I mean, Yes, if you would, it is nice seeing a character. This character be given something outside of the the basic. Oh, well, there's somebody running around jabbing people and giving them aids. We do see her interact with this mysterious family that just shows up during the final moments of the film that she apparently has. But I do like her. I mean, I don't buy her as a police officer necessarily, but in the grand scheme of the film and the characters that we do get, she definitely is the most likable. Uh, now that night we get Jeff showing up to his old box packing job where he confronts his boss.
1: Oh, this fucker is definitely getting AIDS.
0: Oh, immediately. He, he, uh, attacks his boss and jabs him in the neck. He's like, you fired me and I needed this job. He stabs him in the neck with a needle, but then proceeds to beat him repeatedly with the phone. Although you can totally tell he's not beating anything. He's just, raising the phone and not even bringing it down all the way. You don't even see it go past the desk, but apparently he's he beats his boss to death with the phone because the de- the detectives show up and ask this cop what happened. And he tries to explain it to him. I could not understand what he was saying, um, but they found a syringe, of course, at the scene. And then they look at the boss's dead body. So Jeff beat his boss to death with the phone. That's what we're supposed to gather, correct?
1: You know what's unfortunate here is I have to say like I feel this moment is the closest we come to a moment of kind of like anything remotely horror or uh creepy or scary in any way. Like and it's not. Like let's be clear, it's not. But there's like a hint of something that could have been here. There is something really uncomfortable with some of these moments when you see him completely unhinged that there is a potential for an interesting concept here if only it was in the hands of the you know the right hands i'm not saying i'm hoping and praying for another la age jabber or or someone to you know capitalize on this idea but if you're going to do it at least do it right and i think there is a way that this moments like this could have been something interesting because here is a character who was presented earlier who was unlikable, the boss, who's only been played to be a complete dick. So, okay, I'm happy to see him die. And this whole moment where the AIDS jabbing then escalates to be something more. He actually kills him. Okay, so now we have a body count. That's something worth interest. I want to see more of this. Now he's full on just killing people. Not just giving them AIDS, but killing people. That definitely has raised the stakes, but they definitely don't capitalize on it. This is like one moment... That happens, that goes a little bit bigger than everything else, and then it just kind of falls back to him just sticking people and giving them AIDS again.
0: Yeah, no, I like the fact that it kind of, for a brief second, kind of delved into true slasher film territory, because he does go unhinged on this boss and and kill him. And yeah, but it, it it... Like you said, it just, it's, it's this one little moment and then we move on. The thing that it does allow though, is for Rogers to surmise that the killer could have been a jilted former employee. So she proceeds to call human resources and get the names of any recent employees that were fired. Very smart on her behalf, even though it's just basic cop stuff, but we really haven't seen these cops do anything smart up until this point. Um, Jeff. There's this another, just a brief scene of Jeff attacking some nurse in the park, parking lot. Is this the nurse that the doctor was making out with?
1: I think it is. And this is another moment that really pisses me off. Because he basically attacks her. He gets her to the ground. And he's like, are you ready to die? Like, he's threatening her. And then it just, like, transitions to the next day. Did that woman die? Get AIDS, did
0: she die? That poor, horrified woman? We were given no closure at all. Yeah, and I don't think it's mentioned that there was another jabbing victim. So I don't know if he jabbed or not. He, he, he he's His purpose is he wants to know where the doctor is, and she says she doesn't know. Uh, and then, yeah, he throws her to the ground, and we don't know if he jabs her or not. The next day, Jeff has some car trouble, and he gets out to walk, and he collapses on the ground, grabbing his neck, because apparently AIDS causes neck discomfort. And my favorite scene in the movie is when he 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 gets up, composes himself, and he goes to sit next to this old lady on the park bench.
1: <laughs> oh, best scene in the film. It's broad.
0: Uh, and he tries to he's like scooting over next to her and he's like, hey. And he tries to grab her purse and she like hits him with it and knocks him off of the uh, knock, knocks him off the bench. And he gets up, he's like, big mistake, grandma. And he takes her purse and like yanks it out of her hand and says i need a loan and apparently i don't see it i watched the scene a couple times apparently he sticks her with the needle he's apparently sticks her with the needle i think is it on her cheek is there blood on her cheek is yeah but he, we don't i don't we don't see we don't see it happen we just see her sitting there whimpering <laughs> a lot of times
1: i think <laughs> it's implied that in the midst of struggle and commotion people are also just getting stabbed but it's not like they're actually giving us shots of needles going in skin it's all done from a distance
0: it's all wide shots She's whimpering. and, and she, Oh, the poor woman. Oh, my I God. Know. But then we see, in, we see the newscast with Judith about or there was a recent or another victim of the age jabber was a woman on a park bench, a grandmotherly woman minding her business on a park bench. So after the news broadcast that was done very quickly, like that was quick because he just got home from attacking this woman. There's already a news broadcast about it. He proceeds to call the newsroom to talk to Judith. And she takes the call, and he tells her she's the next victim, and she better look both ways before crossing the street. And the, her co-worker's like, you need to call the police. You need to report this. And she's like, no, I want an interview with him. And he's like, what, are you crazy? And she's like, no, being a, dur- a journalist is dangerous.
1: Oh, she's ready to face evil head on. This gal is not scared of anything. She's got that big hair to protect her. She is a journalist. She makes sure everyone is aware of it. And um, and yeah, she's like, put him on the line. And he he straight up uh, is just threatening her and and telling her that she's going to be next. And and she's not really phased by it. She even doesn't want to get the police involved. Her assistant wants to call the police. And she's like... You know, don't worry about it. I've got it. I'm fine. I'm I'm a professional. I'm a
0: journalist. Well, even when Rogers and Smithers go to her house the next day to, to talk to her about the phone call, she immediately denies any police pr- protection. She's like, "You don't." I, you, she's like, "I am not scared. You just want me to." You were just sent here to harass me. I know what you're up to. It and Rogers is like, "Listen, lady, you need to get to get it together because you're in real danger. And if you don't want protection, fine." We'll leave you alone. But then they do stick around and she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I just, you know, worked up. But they stick around and get some information about her. So Rogers and Smithers stick around and ask her some questions about the phone call. She does give them a little bit of information and then tells them that they need to go because she's meeting someone in a few minutes. She's definitely a no-nonsense kind of lady. Although that evening, we do get a glimpse of her getting scared because she's in bed. And she gets a call, but nobody's there. Nobody responds to her, and she's like, "Sounds to me like you're not playing with a full deck."
1: Was it nobody on the other side, on the other end of the
0: line, or? But you, we, I don't know. We don't. I don't. We don't hear anything. I, I was, almost
1: feel like this is an audio glitch because it sure sounds like she's talking to somebody. That's what
0: I thought, but I don't. I didn't he- hear anything, so I was thinking maybe she just said it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was an audio glitch. Maybe we're just supposed to uh, make the inference of what the caller is saying because she does then um, she does tell him you better get a shrink and then she hangs up and she gets a gun from her closet.
1: Everyone in this movie has a goddamn gun, but good for her. She's ready to again face evil head on. Uh, She gets back into bed, putting her gun under her pillow to protect herself. At this point, I would be like, yes, I am definitely taking the police up on that protection that they offered me. But Judith doesn't want it. She's going to fucking defend herself. One thing I really want to ask you, Troy, at this point, from more of a scientific angle, because we haven't touched on this yet, but I want to ask your feedback on it. If there's one thing that I think that these police probably have plenty of access to, it is blood (laughs) from. The L.A. AIDS jabber, they have syringes, they have been injected in people. Uh, People have been now obviously like stabbed with him. I'm sure they have multiple needles and so forth. Do they not have at this point in 1994 the ability to like use DNA in their favor to identify this killer? Because that was, I'm pretty sure that was like um, the first time that was used in a case was like 1986. So this is almost 10 years later. Has it not evolved enough that they could have tracked him?
0: No, DNA, I would say by 94, DNA was at a point where it was definitely could have been used to track him. Uh, You know, 90, what, 95, 94, the end of 94, 95 was O.J. Simpson, right, Uh, Nicole Brown Simpson's murder. And, you know, they use DNA for that particular police investigation when they were testing, like, the blood that was found at the scene and the blood on the glove and whatnot. So DNA was definitely a thing that we would have been capable of using. And I kind of thought the same thing, but they don't really go there. However, I mean, they do, just with the good old-fashioned police work, with, with Rogers making that assumption that whoever killed the boss had to have been an employee, she does get a call back from the HR guy telling them uh, that someone was fired recently named Jeff and they, they get his, we get a flashback of like why he was fired and the HR guy proceeds to give Rogers Jeff's address. So guess what? Stearns and Smithers show up to Jeff's apartment. They tell him they need to ask him some questions about being fired. He's like, well, what do you want to know about that? And, And, and she says, you know, your, your boss was murdered. Do would you know anything about that? And Jeff's like, I don't know. Why would you think I would kill that old coot or something? Whatever he says, and they also tell him that they know about his doctor appointment and they know that he found out he has AIDS.
1: My big issue at this moment is the fact that Smithers walks in the fucking room and doesn't recognize someone who he just recently saw face to face when he almost arrested him. Doesn't just manage to identify him right there and say, "You're the guy that fucking handcuffed me." a couple days ago like i don't understand how that is not something that he recalls it was very obvious it was bright parking lot lighting there's no way like that wouldn't have been visible to in my opinion um, so that that really annoys me that that fact right there i feel like they just overlooked it or forgot it but then there's like a whole moment is another like wide shot, this big, broad, wide shot, one shot, one angle, a moment that technically I would really like to see be a big moment, the moment where they straight up start to accuse him, and he obviously reacts and defends himself by spraying a mysterious yellow fog at them and running out of the room. Like, what the fuck does he spray at them?
0: He sprays a fire extinguisher.
1: It's like gold. It's like orange. It's got like a weird color. Is it really the color of a fire extinguisher? He
0: pulls out a fire extinguisher and sprays Smithers with it. That's what it is. It's, he pulls okay. it out from under the couch pillow. It is definitely a fire extinguisher. I noticed it definitely the first time I didn't catch it, but I the, the second two times I watched the film for the notes, I did. It's definitely a fire extinguisher. They also find the, a syringe and they find his hit list with Judith's name on it. But yeah, he sprays Uh, Smithers with the fire extinguisher and is able to easily run out of the apartment.
1: Oh my God. And then she tries to chase after him and he just full on like chucks this woman to the floor. This did not look like a moment that was like choreographed properly or planned. Because if you watch in this sequence, like Jeff straight on just hurls pour stuff to the ground and it like dissolves into the next moment. You can see her like trying to lift herself off like lift herself from the ground. She is unable to defend herself, which I I love that for her, to be honest. I think it's kind of a fun angle. Um <laughs> but then he flees the room, he runs away, and like the two of them can barely even get to their feet. So it just dissolves to them standing there in his living room, like finding syringes and hit lists, not pursuing age jabber who they now know to be the age jabber they don't even try to chase after him why that's their job it is your job to pursue him why are we so casual about these things
0: well it's so that he can get to judy because we cut to judith the reporter getting in her car surprise jeff's in the back seat and he holds a needle to her neck and tells her he wants her to feel how it feels to have a death sentence. And then she says, I can help you. I can help you. I know what you're going through. And he's like, you don't know what I'm going through. And she says, yes, I do, because my uncle died of AIDS last year. So I definitely, I know I can sympathize. I know what you're feeling. Then this bitch has the audacity to take out her recorder and tell him that she needs him to tell his story because the story's so important that everyone needs to hear it because people just need to know what you're going through. This bitch wanted, all she wanted was a scoop. She wanted a story. That's all, all she wanted.
1: Is that, is that really what you think? Cause I'm curious. One thing that I'm, I'm intrigued by is like after the inevitable happens here in a moment, she starts to like flip out on the police and they like sass her back. I wonder if she is being genuine I only am curious of that because I really needed that angle from somebody here.
0: Well, I you see I looked at it a different way. I because because the second she took out that recorder, it's obvious she's doing it for selfish reasons. And then in that later moment when she shows some some sympathy, I think it's solely because she wanted to have the story. I don't know. I don't get that she's a good person throughout the whole film. So again, pulling out the recorder and then acting like she's trying to be sympathetic towards him when she really just wants a story kind of soured me on her even more. Um, Maybe you're right. I don't know. But like, I felt like even at the ending of the film, when she's like, why did you do that? She just wanted to get a story from him because she wanted the scoop to help her journalism career. Because if you remember earlier on in the film, she's sitting with her brother. She tells him she's a new journalist and the, the scoop would really help her career. He gets out of the car though. He gets out of the car and runs the police get there at the same time and they chase him and a, a little police chase ensues and they run him into a corner of a parking lot and tell him to drop the needle. And instead of dropping the needle, he raises it and charges at them and Smithers shoots him and Judith comes upon the scene and she screams. She's like, why did you have to kill him? He, he needed help. And Smithers, Smithers is like, get real lady. He was going to jab us. You, you would have you ended up being in the morgue with a toe tag.
1: His response here is so unprofessional. Like, oh my god! Like, I get it. Okay, she's an obnoxious, sure, but you are, like an officer of the law. Like, be a fucking professional.
0: Oh yeah, and then the fact that he says that she could that she could have ended up in the morgue, I was assuming he was insinuating that if she got stuck with the needle, but then AIDS doesn't kill you right away, so it didn't make much sense. Okay, so so now the AIDS jabber's dead. He's been shot. Get to this point. Who, oh, Roger? Roger, roger, roger. This other officer shows up to tell Smithers, hey, you did a great job. You did what you had to do. Uh, When he gets a, he goes to call dispatch for an ambulance. When the dispatcher is like, hey, Captain Griswold has a very crucial, crucial message for you. You need to hear this immediately. And so Smithers is like, yeah, what's the message? And the message is, roger, Jeff, does not have AIDS. They just got his paperwork mixed up.
1: How the fuck are you going to do me like that? After all of this nonsense and the pains he's having in his neck and collapsing to the ground and all these people getting jabbed and stabbed with needles and turning up positive for AIDS. So are you telling me that all these random people... Okay, I get it with Tanya. She had AIDS to begin with, I'm sure of it. But like... Everybody else, you're gonna just tell me that random people are coming up positive with AIDS because it's not like all of these people are gonna have multiple fake tests. Like Jesus Christ, that's not how it fucking works. It's it's implausible. This finale does make no sense at all.
0: No, it's that's it's the, the it's the biggest fucking piece of shit ending of any film because it makes zero sense because the syringe that he brought to inject tanya with they said that tested positive for aids the two people that he poked tested positive for aids so how the fuck does he not have aids how does this make any sense it's like it, it makes everything that we watched irrelevant it's like the There's no, did they not think this through? Did they not think people were going to catch on to this fact that you have told us that three different people that he's injected have gotten AIDS? We're just going to forget about that. It's just
1: clear that there's such a lack of understanding of how it works, of how anything to do with AIDS really works at all. And the idea of like a false test, like, yes, that can definitely happen, but. There has to be a basic understanding of, of these kinds of diagnosis and the process that goes into it and like how the overall accuracy of these tests. Like, yes, there can be a, a false positive, but overall, like, it's not like people are just handing out these diagnoses loosey goosey. Like, there are professionals look into this and have a basic understanding of how it works and yes it was still early into the AIDS epidemic for the most part but it's the 90s by now they were starting to develop medications and shit it's not like they don't know what the fuck they're doing like these tests would be at least somewhat accurate to have multiples come up as positive but all stemming from him just makes no sense it means just everybody's getting false positives and that's just not how it works
0: the filmmakers are really thinking the audience is fucking stupid with this ending. And then the way it just like abruptly ends, like that's the end of it. He gets that message. He starts walking back to the scene and the film ends. There's no follow up, there's no explanation. The film, again, <sighs> the film's not great. And they gave us a title simply for shock value. And then they take that shock value of the title and do absolutely nothing with it. But on top of that, they shit on it even worse in terms of the the viewers and their engagement with the story by giving us this ending that makes zero fucking sense. The ending ruins what is not even a good movie to fucking begin with, makes it even worse. I just could not. I was so mad. I was like, how, how is this possible?
1: Let me go down the list of loose ends that were presented that were never, like, tied up. Like, let me go through all of the characters that were introduced that I have no idea, like, where they were left at the end of this. Like, how they were impacted by the events that transpired. Um, It is so clear to me that this ending was supposed to be stern's finale just the way that the story arc completes for this character like again you can't tell me otherwise it is just the same character it's the same personality type it just it was definitely meant to be one character and i need to know what happened i'm infatuated with finding out how this came to be the way it is um and i don't know man i think if anything like to set up Jeff's character the way they did and really like continuously portray him to be such an awful character by the end of this he's done such terrible things that again there's not a string of sense of of sincere genuine sympathy for him i feel nothing for this character he's just an awful person even if he is mentally distressed which they attack him multiple times for that they bring that up a few times that he's mentally ill and that's the only explanation it's clear they don't understand how that works either you know there's so little understanding of the source material which makes for the offensive elements of this are not coming from how far they pushed the envelope it's coming from the fact they just didn't do any homework at all to understand the envelope. They don't know what they're pushing. They took a baseline idea of what they think a lot of things worked like. AIDS, police force, general human communication. Like They, they took a basic idea of all these things and they like wrote a script that really, at the end of the day, does not make sense. There's so much about this that is just incomplete. And I can't tell you how annoyed I am, not as an HIV positive person, but as like, just like a film viewer, as a fan of cinema. Like I find this whole execution to be so sloppy. You could have done better. You could have worked a little bit harder. You could have made something honestly more shocking. It's just unfortunate that again, they were so lazy in their execution.
0: These This is an example of filmmakers trying to think that they are being like I, shocking. Yeah, that's the word. They, they thought, oh, we're going to come up with this title, A, 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 Jabber, and then ultimately LA's AIDS Jabber, and it's going to shock people and it's going to offend people. But like you said, I don't think you can hit the nail on the head any, any better lazy they had no idea what they were doing this is incompetent filmmaking all around incompetent scriptwriting all around every aspect of this film is incompetent and then you add that fucking ending and i'm fuming like I, I i fucking hate this movie it's stupid it makes no sense i was not offended by it i was offended by the fact that they would give me a fucking stupid ending and think that i was stupid enough not to realize that the ending made no sense that's what i'm really pissed about but everything else fuck fuck this movie roger I wanted to. I wanted to. I really wanted it to be trashy. I really wanted it to be just sleazy, and it's not. It's just shit. The one positive I will say, and I'm done with this movie. The one positive I will say is I really do think it was a uh, ahead of the time choice not to make like the AIDS victim, the main character, gay. Because for the longest time all we heard was, you know, in the gay community about AIDS being a gay a gay person's disease. That was the kind of the stigma that was attached to AIDS for so long and probably still is. So I do applaud them at least for not buying into that stereotype and giving us like this young 19-year-old jock straight guy that that caught AIDS from well, supposedly caught from fucking a hooker. He wasn't bisexual. He wasn't. So I do appreciate that. I will give them that.
1: Yeah. You know, I went into this expecting to hear the word faggot used an array of times. I was expecting to see a lot of uh, really over the top tropes and like stereotypical portrayals of queer men. And I was expecting to see kind of just a uh, really like. Tasteless depiction of like a queer individual like losing their shit and going out and stabbing people. And I obviously did not get that at all. In fact, I got very little reference to anything queer, homosexual, LGBTQ plus at all. Um, which, I mean, for the fact it's set in LA in general, like I'm shocked it was so void of anything gay. Um, So in a way, I almost feel like a missed opportunity was like, if you're going to make the villain, a a straight man going through this, like, at least I would have loved to have seen some representation because the gays were the party that were going through it harder than anybody else. I mean, this was a predominantly queer disease at that time. And, and um, I was, I guess, just anticipating that, like, I guess, yeah, it's refreshing not to see that for sure, because I don't feel targeted as a gay man with HIV, But I was also really wanting to see where they would take that and how they would push that envelope. So yeah, it was kind of shocking to not have any
0: gay anything at all in this movie. I mean, I think they were maybe even during that time, even in 94, maybe, I mean, again, maybe I'm giving these filmmakers more credit than they deserve, but maybe they were sensitive to, to the sort of backlash that having a gay protagonist antagonist that was going around jabbing people would ultimately receive or maybe it's just that they they could they just didn't want any gay characters in their film maybe it was a a case of i don't know maybe the filmmakers don't like gay people so they i don't know you don't know but i'm saying you want to give them a benefit of a doubt but i feel like there is it was a very um glaring choice for them not to include a gay character or any gay elements to the film when it, when it is about AIDS and there has to be a reason. So I would feel it's either one or the other. Um, Either they knew they would receive backlash or they, the filmmakers just weren't comfortable with gay content. Either way, I that's the only thing I give them credit for Um, guys. We went long with this. This this is almost twice as long as the fucking movie is. Um, But we want to know your thoughts on this because this is, this is one that I think could get people talking. Um, going into this film with its title and then watching it. What are your thoughts? What were your thoughts? Uh, What are your thoughts on that ending? Can you help us make it make sense? Because it doesn't. And if someone out there could make it make sense to me, maybe I missed something. I would love to hear it. So guys, let's hear your thoughts on LA AIDS Jabber.
1: The title does continue to impress. I will say that. like The title is constantly something that the movie was not, which is satisfying. Uh, But yeah, the movie overall definitely left something to be desired, a lot of things to be desired. And I don't know, man, we're going to have to make sure that one of our next selections for our Patreon exclusive is something that's trashy and we know it, because I want to talk about something with our friends here, here in our household. They're welcome here anytime, you know, here at the Patreon. I want us to talk about something that's really going to get us just cackling and howling with laughter. If any of you have recommendations for the Patreon, always feel free to leave that comment in the
0: thread below. Absolutely, drop drop your recommendations. But uh, we're gonna have to cleanse our palate with our next main feed selection we just released hellbent our redux we hope you're enjoying that i think we we revisited it and i think we had a much more insightful in-depth conversation than our very first episode so that was a lot of fun but we're cleansing our palate with our next episode which will be hostile Two, um and then we will be posting uh what our selections will be for march and you have to look forward to our march talking bodies and our march top three and then our march uh full-length selection which we'll we'll reveal shortly but guys we went long, but it's la aids jabber let us know your thoughts
1: thank you as always have a lovely rest of your evening
0: thank you thank you we love you good night